Well, good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Welcome here. So glad to worship with you. If you didn't get the earlier welcome, welcome. My name is Jeremy. Today we are continuing in the book of Mark as we encounter the incredible. We're playing off of the um, Incredibles movie that was released last summer. And we began the book of Mark in chapters 1 through 3. And this summer we are continuing on in chapter 4 as everything needs a sequel. Therefore, this series is Encounter the Incredibles 2. This is what Jesus did at this time. Usually in Mark, he's this, the, you see the themes, you see the art, you see the, the comic-like pop-ups, because most of the book of Mark is explosive. It is action-oriented. It is confrontational. It is miracles. It is big stuff. And Mark doesn't necessarily explain it theologically. He doesn't articulate the outcome. Instead, he just sort of leaves it to the reader and says, who is a guy like this? But in this small section that we're in today and just last week, there's a little bit of teaching. It's one of the rare moments in Mark where he brings out Jesus' teaching. And the way Jesus does it is, of course, different than many other people. He's not propositional, but instead he's more narrative. He's more story-oriented. And so the stories that Jesus tells are called parables. They're fictional, but they're intended to illustrate a point. And so this is how today's thing goes. I'm going to just move the text around a little bit for the sake of flow. And this is how Jesus started then in Mark chapter four, verse 33 said with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is how Jesus was teaching to the masses in parables and So, last week we got into the first parable, which was the parable of the sower, and we said that the topic, are you ready? I'm asking for your feedback, I'm asking for your response. Please, help me out here. Last week we said the parable of the the sower, the topic was the kingdom. Exactly right. I want to do that one more time, just, just for fun. The parable of the sower, the topic was the kingdom exactly right so we talked about how the sower the seeds and the soil and all of that was to illustrate the coming kingdom of god that's what jesus was doing he was explaining what was happening in his ministry why there was rejection why there was some fast and furious exception and or uh, exception of him and then it sort of faded away and why ultimately the seed has to fall to the ground and die before it produces fruit that's the parable of the sower that's a kingdom parable and these kingdom parables what they do are three things they balance expectations because some people think the kingdom is going to be a certain way and jesus says no, no no it's more like this and then for those who are a little bit surprised or put off by the fact that their expectations weren't exactly reality he sort of encourages them to take heart don't worry even though it's not like you thought it'll be better And then following that, or subsequently, he says, okay, so here's what's going to happen. Now here's how you can be a part of it. So kingdom parables balance expectations. They teach us to take heart and take part. To take heart and take part. That's what they do. So last week was the parable of the sower. And building upon that now are two subsequent or following sort of agrarian parables. are going to speak to this very agrarian or farming society. And they are these. One is the parable of a mustard seed, and the other is the parable of the farming process. 
A mustard seed and a farming process. Now, I know those are in the opposite order in which you find them in Mark chapter 4, but I'm going to move through this sermon in sort of a logical order. Rather than starting with the farming process, I'm going to start with the seed and then move into the farming process. So sort of chronological in my approach there. That's on purpose, and I think it'll make sense as you see it develop. So the kingdom of heaven just simply is like a seed in a farming process. Your your Bible is going to say a mustard seed, and it might say the groat is one parable. It might say the growing seed is the other parable. There's a lot of different names for it, but I'm just going to go with the short version, a seed in the farming process. So let's start then first with the seed. This is not frog and toad story of the seeds. This is Jesus's story of the seed, and it's in Mark chapter 4. Beginning in verse 30. Mark chapter 4 verse 30. It says this. Jesus explaining to them the topic. The kingdom. And he says. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall I use for it? How shall I illustrate this to you guys? It's like this. It is like a grain of a mustard seed. Which. When sown or planted on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make a nest in its shade. Okay, that makes sense. Let me show you a little bit more of what he's saying. First of all, the mustard seed. How small is a mustard seed? Well, here's a picture of a bunch of mustard seeds. And you probably still can't tell how small they are. I like mustard, by the way. I prefer honey Dijon. But here here are mustard seeds, and here's what it looks like in the hand. They are very, very tiny. You can hold that up there for just a second. They're smaller than wheat, they're smaller than millet, and they're smaller than barley. However, they are bigger than... Than a poppy seed. They are bigger than a poppy seed. Oh no, Jesus made a mistake. Did he? Was he wrong? Was he ignorant? Was he just a product of his culture and conditioning? A limited, unenlightened first century thinker? No, of course not. Of course not. You see, what's happening is Jesus is speaking directly to his audience. You can go ahead and put away that picture now. The... Jesus is speaking to his audience. And so if you look at the original language, and you don't have to look at the original language to get this, it just becomes a bit more clear. The first thing he says is he's talking about, he says, look, it is when sown on the ground. In other words, there are a lot of different seeds out there, but there are only certain seeds that you farmers are planting. There may be smaller seeds, but if you want to get technical and argue about the size of the seeds, say, oh, I know a smaller seed. Uh, What he's talking about is, You people who are sowing sow a variety of seeds in that time period under those conditions. And of those seeds, this one is the smallest. So you could, of course, find a smaller seed, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about first century Judaism in that part of the world. Moreover, his purpose is not to teach about botany. This is not a biology lesson. This is not the full exploration of everything on the planet, but instead it's simply to get across the point that something small transforms into something enormous. Now you could do that with mint or dill, sort of, 
But it wouldn't be big enough. A mustard seed instead grows into something much larger, something big enough for the birds of the air to nest in. That's actually an allusion to Old Testament prophecy where the Isaiah the prophet is talking about the ingathering of all the nations of the earth so that Israel is not the only thing, but all the nations are being brought in to this commonwealth or this new nation. So it's got all kinds of stuff wrapped into it. But the idea is Jesus trying to communicate to his culture at that time in a way they understand. If we did it today, I might say something like mighty oaks from little acorns grow. We would get that, right? And perhaps someone might want to catch me on the side and say, oh, I know a bigger tree and a smaller nut. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I think you get what I'm saying here, right? Little, little acorns produce giant oaks. And in our area, an oak might be, might be something we recognize. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a maple leaf. Maybe it's a whatever. I don't know. But the point here that Jesus is making is the movement from small to large, from micro to macro, as in seeds and trees, so too the kingdom of God. What starts small produces gargantuan results. The point of the parable is to illustrate that small starts produce big results. Small starts produce big results. Small starts produce big results. All starts produce big results. You got me? Here's what the seed is trying to get across. And look, while that seems like a very simple point, it's actually not. If we stop for a moment and actually post that on our TV screens next to what we're seeing on our TV screens, they will look very different. Because when I see the president going to have a dinner with a queen, what I see is this immaculate presentation of enormous gargantuan proportion. And I think, boy, those people must be important. Only the king and the queen get a dinner like that. That is huge. Look at the entourage. All the people have lined the streets. There are limousines and guards and fanfare and pomp and circumstance. That is impressive. When I am looking for something impressive, I'm looking for big. The bigger, the better. And we're not even in Texas. I could preach that here in Michigan. I'd probably be okay. But down in Texas, watch out. I've just about stepped into heresy. But the reality is this. We think as human beings in these terms, diamonds, cars, homes, portfolios, SUVs, RVs, castles, entourage, state dinner, etc. It doesn't matter. Bigger is better. You were impressed with a bigger promotion. You were impressed with a bigger job. You were impressed with a bigger paycheck, a bigger career. Bigger is better. For us as humans, that's the way we think. But Jesus comes on the scene and paints a very different picture. Instead, what he says is that small, unimpressive, and hidden under the surface is the best. Completely antithetical to our normal way of thinking. What starts small produces huge results. 
And so we need to stop right here and ask ourselves the question. Are we okay with small? Are you okay with small? Think about the areas of your life that you're leaning in and asking for more. Is it possible? Is it just possible that God may be saying to you, less is more? Are you okay with small? Do you value simple? Does everything in your life need a big splash? Make it really personal. Let's say graduation celebrations, birthday parties, weddings, receptions, etc., etc. Our assumption is that bigger is better. When in reality, bigger often just leaves us totally strung out, worn out, and spent. Are we demonstrating the kingdom in our lives? Are we showing something else? Small starts produce big results. Here's the principle of the seed. It seems simple, and yet it's so contradictory and antithetical to our culture that it's unbelievable. Jesus' picture is very different than our own. He, said, he says to us, small, think small, start there. And then what? Does it stop there? No, it doesn't stop there. Because there's this process that takes place. It's described in the farming or the growing or the seed process in verse 26. In that parable, Jesus says it like this. He says, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, And then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is the farming process. It's not that exciting. In fact, it takes a long period of time. If you speak with any farmer, they will tell you it simply does not happen overnight. They're working year round. The seeds have to be planted, and that's not until the fields are plowed and tilled. Then they're watered, they germinate, they take root, they grow, and eventually they produce fruit. So too, the kingdom of God. Look, Jesus didn't just show up on the scene and usher in the full-scale kingdom. Many of us wish he had done that. Certainly the Jewish people who were following him with messianic hopes or hopes of the zealots to overthrow Rome They wanted that. They wanted the pomp and circumstance. They wanted the big splash. They wanted bigger is better. But Jesus doesn't do it that way. Instead, throughout the thousands and thousands of years of Old Testament history, he develops this theme which is being built up and growing in anticipation. And then he comes to earth and yet it is still not fully realized. Instead, through his death, burial, and resurrection, 
the Holy Spirit is sent as a seed and implanted into our heart so that the kingdom begins to grow inside of us. Yet it is hidden and unrevealed and we don't see it because although Christ is supposed to be reigning on in us, he is not reigning here on planet Earth. Nothing has popped up and grown fruit as of yet. And so what do we do then? Well, we say that Jesus has inaugurated, but he has not consummated the kingdom. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated, but not yet consummated. It is already not yet. It has begun. It is initiated. It has started. We are being transformed, but the transformation of the world has not yet taken place. It is growing and building. And so we have to be Patient, exactly right, just like the farmer. We need to have the patience of a farmer, and I know that sounds cliche, and perhaps when you hear that, maybe you think, okay, here's the thing about a farmer. Farmers are just unique, salt-of-the-earth, unusual characters. The rest, yeah, okay. Somebody likes that. It's not for me, man. I need a microwave, and that's not fast enough. I am not a farmer. I think of farmers, I think of some good old boy sitting back in his chair going, whip, yep, yep. <laughs> like, no, come on, get up, go. It's time. I'm already late. But the reality is this. The farmer is not some unique breed of individual that only his patience is available to a few. But instead, the farmer understands something that I think will benefit us greatly and can dynamically and radically transform our lives. And that is this, the farmer is not patient just because he got a miracle gift from the sky that God dropped out of heaven, but instead, he knows something that perhaps we don't. What is it? Mark chapter 4, verse 27. The farmer sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Farmer sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. See, here's what the farmer knows. Now, I know that scientifically we've come a lot further than way back when. So we understand we can look at certain things under a microscope, but there is still a huge amount of biodiversity and mystery left to us. Things that we do not understand. And the point being made is this, is that the farmer is patient Because, not because he has patience, but because he has faith. The farmer is patient because he has faith. You see, patience is a result of faith. People who demonstrate patience are people who have great faith. Patience is a result of faith. And so what this verse shows us is, look, the farmer gets up, he does his thing, and every day... Over and over and over and over again, he does it, and he goes to bed, and he sleeps. And he wakes up the next day, and he pulls more weeds, and he sleeps. And he wakes up the next day, he pulls weeds, he waters, he sleeps. He does it over and over and again. So the first thing we see the farmer knows is that this process of kingdom building, this process of farming, this process of growing in our faith and waiting for the promises of Christ to be revealed is long. It is a long, long process. 
It is gradual. It doesn't happen overnight. And so he doesn't get all worked up if he plants the seed in the ground and all of a sudden, boom, it doesn't burst forth and bear fruit. He's like, I'm not expecting it to do that. What were you thinking? It's going to be a long day. That's what we did today. Tonight we go to bed and we get up and do it again the next day. Some of us approach our Christian life and we're like, man, I said the prayer. Where's the answer? Doesn't always happen like that. God has not answered my prayer. Yet. The seed has not sprouted forth and bearing fruit yet. It's long, it's gradual, it's slow, it's mysterious, and yet it is certain. So too with the Christian faith, you got to see, you got to understand that this is, this is the analogy. This is how nature reveals the character of God. This is the point that's being made. This is Romans chapter 1 is saying, look, nature is not God, but nature tells you something about God. And what it tells you is God is mysterious. That is not a surprise. And yet we act as though he should be predictable. I did this and therefore he should do this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. He will produce, just not in your time, in your way, in his time, in his way. So why are you binding him to yours? That's not right. You need to just get up, pray, do your day, go back to sleep and wait and do it again. It's like the farmer over and over and over again. Understand that in this parable, you know what the farmer does? Nothing. Actually, the only thing he does is he sows. And after that, he's done. Now, in our day and age, we're going to go out and do all kinds of things. We might measure our fields by GPS, and we'll take soil samples, and then we'll turn in you know, measurements and get recommendations, blah, blah, blah. In this thing, he sows and waits. That's the farming process for him, and that, you know what, is the kingdom process for us. We sow and we wait. We sow and we wait and we sow and we wait and there's no shortage of seeds, yet we cannot command the results. How badly would I like to see every seat in this room filled? And you know how many times I prayed that? I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> Lord, get us out of debt. Lord, fill us. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. The Lord says, wait. Not my time, not yours, not your way, mine. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to move my kingdom forward. And you need to be on board with that, Jeremy. What's Pastor Jeremy? That's Jeremy. (laughs) Get on board, Jeremy. My way, not yours. Look, you got to understand, this is the beauty, the, the intelligence, the extreme wonder of the farmer who sits there in dirty boots and old overalls and speaks like a redneck and yet instructs us all. He knows something we don't. He knows that the process is slow, long, gradual, mysterious, yet certain. That's why the farmer says, as sure as the sun will rise. Exactly right. As sure as the sun rises. And you know what we Christians say? As sure as the sun has risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Look, it's certain. It's a guarantee. It's not a question. The kingdom will come. 
God's will will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. The thing is, we're sort of in this in-between land, this already not yet. We're waiting. We've we've begun to sow. We should keep sowing. But as we sow, we simply wait and trust and believe. And then, as we believe that what God has said will come, will come, guess what we'll see at work in our life? The fruit of the Spirit, which is patience. See, patience is the result of faith. Nature is reflective of God. God is mysterious. His ways are not our ways. His timing is not our timing. And yet he is certain. As sure as the sun will rise, and as sure as the sun has risen, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, in yours, in our church, in the work of our world. Faith is your best friend, even if she's not. Faith is your best friend. The eyes of faith show us that the lack of immediacy does not diminish the results. The lack of immediacy does not diminish the results, even though it's slow. The lack of immediacy does not diminish the results. The lack of of perception doesn't diminish the reality. The eyes of faith show us that the lack of perception does not diminish the reality. Not everyone gets it. It's hidden. It's under the surface. It's buried in the ground. But that seed is there and it is germinating and taking root and it will burst forth. So to the kingdom of God. Just because not everybody understands it, just because not everyone sees it, just because we may be the minority, doesn't diminish its reality. This thing is coming out and it will win, even if not everyone gets it yet. It is slow, it is mysterious, and it is certain. Faith is your best friend. So how do I increase my faith then, Pastor? Because you've just said, I want to have patience of the farmer. And then you're like, oh, by the way, it's not patience, it's faith. Okay, so tell me how to get faith. We don't get faith. Faith is a gift. It's a small thing that God gives to you. You ask for it and he gives it. But then what you do is you take it and you receive it and you develop it. How does the farmer do that? The farmer does it like this. He admits, he recognizes that he doesn't understand everything. Like, he doesn't get what's happening underneath the soil. It's hidden to him. And yet he knows that the principle is, the overarching principle, if I plant this thing and if I water it and if I take good care of it, it will grow. So even though I don't understand all the intricacies as a farmer, I get the general idea. Farmer understands the general idea. So too does he have experience. Look, this probably isn't his first season of planting. He's probably seen his grandpa do it, his dad do it. He's helped along the way. He's done it for his family. And now, regardless of where he's at in the career development, he's done it so many times that he knows, yeah, there's a good season, there's a bad season. Sometimes there's floods, sometimes there's tornadoes, sometimes there's hail. But generally, there's a spring, summer, winter, fall, and I can count on this year after year. So if it's not a good year this year, it'll be better the next. And that's the way things go. He's experienced. And as a result, because of what he does know, and because of his experience, then he has faith for the future. Even if something kind of knocks him out along the way, he's like, okay, that was one year. 
We've got next year and the next and the next. And this is a way we should approach our Christian life. We need to get some general knowledge. We won't get every single detail. We won't understand the infinite mind of God. We won't get all the mysteries. But by getting in his word and applying it to our lives, we can get the general idea. You can read the Bible for yourself and you can get close enough to knowing what God wants you to do that you can make progress. It's not that much of a mystery. Sure, it's a mystery how the Holy Spirit works and how the end times come together and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, love God and love others. And you're on the right path. And all of a sudden, you'll see fruit coming up. And then when you do it more than once, guess what? You get better at it, just like the farmer. And you do it over and over and over again, and you build experience so that you learn after a few seasons, you know what, this may not have been my best season, but here's another season, and here's another one. And this happened, and this set me back, but I'm still moving forward because I get the general idea that there's a spring, summer, winter, fall, and I'm going to keep going through all of them. So regardless of what season this is in your life, you do the same thing. You sow and wait. And it's God who sends the rain and God who brings forth the fruit. And you sit there like the farmer in faith and wait and pray and trust. And that's the process of the kingdom of God. So what happens then? my kids aren't perfect yet? Ah, my job's not perfect. Our church isn't perfect. Our budget's not perfect. Our building's not perfect. My yard isn't perfect. My car's Ah, no. Stop. Wait. It's not a microwave. It's not even an oven. It's an eternal process. God started before the foundation of the world. And it's guaranteed until the very end. We're just somewhere in between. So like the farmer, we need to keep sowing. We need to keep believing. We need to keep practicing. But ultimately, we just wait. And we trust God to do what he said he'd do. That's an encouragement. I hope you hear that, church. That's an encouragement, whether it's your education, your career, your life, your parenting, your work, your money, your health, your retirement. It doesn't mean things are going to get better tomorrow. It may get much worse. But God is good. God is in control. And as surely as the sun will rise, and as surely as the sun has risen, it's a guarantee all things in him, Jesus wins. So the kingdom is like this. It's like a seed. It's small. It's hidden. It's mysterious. But it's taking root in your hearts even now. The kingdom is like farming. Gradual. It's slow, mysterious, and yet it is certain. Small starts produce big, big results. Are you okay with small? Are you okay with slow? No, I'm not. I'm praying and trusting and hoping that God will grow that in me. You follow the way of the farmer. By grace through faith. Believing in what God will do. Waiting on him. Church, we can do this. You can do this. God can do this. This is not a self-help sermon designed to make you a better you or help you feel better. 
about yourself, but instead this is an eternal sermon based on God's gospel, which says that all things are in him a guarantee. And if that is the case, if I have faith in that, then nothing else matters. I can trust him for everything else. When I break, when it breaks, when whatever breaks, it's going to be okay. Because God is doing his work. Slow, steady, gradual, mysterious. It'll happen. On earth, just like in heaven. Father, we praise you and thank you. Lord, you're a good and gracious God. I just pray, Lord, that you help me to trust you. Uh, Lord, I... I recognize that many times in my life I've been um, quick to speak and slow to listen or quick to act and slow to wait, quick to plan and slow to prayer. I just pray, God, that uh, as you transform us, that that's one of the things you change. You would help me, help us believe in you or to wait and pray and bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.